Good tonight. Good to see everybody and grateful always for the time of prayer we're able to have together. And uh, just want to remind everyone as we were able to take that time um, this evening to pray. And we sang that beautiful hymn, "'Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus." And as we are in the midst of working through Psalm 23, um, I just can't help but think of the fact Monday the 15th will mark 100 days that the hostages have been in captivity and with everything that's gone on since October 7th. And I just encourage us to continue to pray for the hostages, pray for their families, pray for Israel, pray for salvation on both sides of that. Uh, but just in the midst of it, to really be praying that these people would come to salvation, come to know who Jesus is. If we think about Genesis 12, and we looked at this when we, we did our whole study and the evening that we had on Israel now, the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We know whose land it is. We know the promise that has been made, and the first day, that Sunday, right after this all happened, I shared Psalm 121, verse 4, Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. And the reminder of our king, the reminder of him being faithful, being diligent, he does not slumber or sleep, and his will will be done. We know how this all ends, but as we are in the midst of everything, and as that 100-day mark comes and is so close, I just say, pray that the Jewish people who know Psalm 23 would realize Yeshua, Jesus, he's the great shepherd. He's the chief shepherd, and would realize that unto salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this night. Thank you for time in the middle of the week to slow down, to dig into your word, Lord, to think of who you are, to ponder your faithfulness and your goodness, Lord. Holy Spirit, illuminate to us depths within Psalm 23 as we go through these verses tonight, Lord. Pray that each and every single person here would so clearly push aside the distractions to just hear from you, Abba Father, our Daddy. And Lord, we do pray for Israel. We pray for everything going on in that region, that both sides would come to salvation, Lord. We pray, Lord, for the persecuted church and believers seeking to stand steadfast in you, Heavenly Father. Preserve them. Lead and guide them, Lord. Minister to them, reminding them who you are as the shepherd. And Lord, help us come no matter what, to boldly always stand on the name of Jesus, our shepherd, our king, our savior. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we looked at the first verse of this psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And again, 22, 23, and 24, I look at a little, a little trilogy. We saw the shepherd killed in 22, we see the care of the shepherd, then we'll see the reward and return of the shepherd. And in this first psalm, second psalm of this trilogy, we see a song of trust. We see a song of God's grace, his peace, his love. We see absolute peace and confidence 
in God. We see the shepherd, God, as the shepherd. We see God as the shepherd of Israel. We see also the application to King David as the under-shepherd for the people of Israel. We see also the application to pastors. We see the application to leaders. Last week, we pondered our own imagery. If I were to say to you, describe your relationship with the Lord, would you say the Lord is my shepherd? What would the imagery be that you would use in that moment? We also looked at the fact and questioned, who shepherds you? Truly, who shepherds you? Who or what actually leads or guides your decisions in your life? We all can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But when we get under the hood, what other things shepherd us? We talked about intimacy with God. And if we think about that intimacy that we looked at in that first verse, how apt it ties to where we are in John on Sundays, the bread of life. To have that bread of life, to truly consume it and be satiated, is intimacy with God the Father. Prayer Sunday was such a blessed time. We had the first um, potluck and prayer, but to see the way these same themes the Lord brought up in that time of prayer. The Holy Spirit bringing scripture to people that brought up that same undertone, intimacy with our Lord, intimacy with our King. And as we think about that intimacy, as we think about who he is, we remember the words, and we looked at this last week, of Jesus in John chapter 10, where we're going to get there in a few weeks. We'll get there eventually in John, to John 10, maybe months. But when we get to John chapter 10, We see in verse 7, Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Which is a powerful imagery that we'll look at, but when we think about the shepherd would literally sleep in front of wherever the sheep were to protect them, to guard them. And they would know that they're protected by their shepherd. And Jesus is saying, I'm the door. The sheep, they're going to come to me, but I'm the door. They come through the door, which is Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. We see in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And Psalm 22 so beautifully and powerfully, prophetically shows his life being given. In verse 14 in John 10, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. This is Jesus reminding, I lay down my life. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd, the sheep knowing his voice. One of our sister Seuss shared this picture with me and asked her to show it to you of a sheep running in the snow. I hear you, Jesus, I'm coming, knowing the shepherd's voice. And as we think about the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, we have to remember that intimacy. For David, he's talking about God as shepherd. We have the whole counsel of the word of God. Jesus, chief shepherd, good shepherd, laying his life down that we can have salvation, that we can have intimacy with him. Charge check-in from last week. One, what shepherds are in the place of God Jesus, the good shepherd, in your life. And whenever you found, deny yourself daily. Put it aside and focus on him. Because if we dig deep, we're all going to find a few other things 
that we make shepherds, that we have guide us. I don't have, I think I put my smartphone in the office. I should have thrown it in the garbage. But these devices that we carry around, they so shepherd us at times. We wake up alarm. I look at this, I look at that, I look at email, I look at this, I got to text this person, I got to do this thing. And we all just exercise the thumbs all day long. What's guiding you? Two, how's your intimacy with the chief chief shepherd? How is your intimacy with Jesus? Are there any shifts that you had conviction last week that need to make? Are there any shifts as I say that, that you need to make, that you're really focusing on the intimacy with Jesus? Our King, our Messiah. We sing to him, we pray to him. Are you and him intimate? And the third thing, is your heart fully content that you are his? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Whatever the circumstances, whatever you're going through, whatever trial, whatever any situation that's happening, I can't believe this is happening to me. I never thought this would happen. Is it enough for you? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Jesus being who he is, is enough. I need nothing else. Now tonight we're going to finish Psalm 23. The message is titled, Tended. Because when we think about and go through the rest of this psalm, we see so clearly how we are cared for. How we are tended to by our Father. We're going to be delving into the depth of care from our shepherd And there's such imagery that's going to paint the lights to that. Now remember, this is a psalm of David. And I shared when we started this how I truly land on the side that believes with the knowledge and insights and just these six verses that he puts. This had to be later on in life when he's looking back and reflecting and thinking about the care that God has had over his life. Did David have a perfect life? Saw some big no. He did not. And we're not going to have a perfect life. But you know what David did hold to? Intimacy with God. Bathsheba, Uriah, all that stuff that went down. Look at that psalm when we get there of repentance that he has. Because he holds to his intimacy with God the Father. Do you hold on to your intimacy with your shepherd, Jesus? Are you swayed back and forth and it filters? Or do you really Cling and hold on to it. David is looking to God here. We look to Jesus, who is God. We know that. But Messiah's come. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, has a whole new meaning and depth of care. If we think of Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Not going to happen without the good shepherd. Know God, love God, called to his purpose. The care of the shepherd for us, a little few verses before that. Likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That's the depth of the care of our shepherd. Because he puts the Holy Spirit within us. That takes place. That's the gift from him that then guides, that then leads, that then teaches, and that assurance, no matter what happens, if we're abiding and walking and intimate with the shepherd, he works it for good. 
It's his care. It's not the fact that the Lord is my shepherd, so everything's perfect and easy. No, 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 no. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be quite difficult sometimes. That's the reality. It will be. But the beautiful thing is, his care is steadfast. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Society tells us, be your own shepherd. Society says, you, you, you do it. Get that career. Build what you're trying to do. Build your influence. You can be an influencer. You can be a shepherd. You can have people following your advice. Start that YouTube channel. Start doing your workouts. Get people watching you. Get your likes. Get branded. Get marketing. You're doing great. You do. You live your truth. You're in charge of your own life. It's a battle. And guess what? David knew the same cultural battle. We can sometimes say, oh, the times are so crazy. The times are so crazy. It's always the same battle, folks. Good and evil. God versus all the things against God. It's that reality of the duality that I like to point to. David had the same cultural battle. And amidst it, David knew the shepherd sustains. The shepherd provides. The shepherd protects. The shepherd leads. The shepherd hosts beyond measure. And cares and meets amidst the enemies. We're going to see as we look at this, it's not so much that the enemies, boom, they disappear. You don't have to deal with them. No, 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 no. The enemies are there. They're all around. We know that, brothers and sisters. It's a spiritual battle. But the key to going through is intimacy with the shepherd. And in that, we're going to see the rest he gives the restoration that he gives, the guidance he gives, the preservation that builds perseverance. We're going to see comfort. We're going to see protection. We're going to see goodness. We're going to see the depth of mercy. We're going to see his steadfastness, the steadfastness of his grace. And we're going to see the eternal blessing. We're going to be reminded of eternity. Jesus. And that's why I started this by reminding us in the context of where we are and what's going on in the world, we can't ignore the fact December 15th, 100 days since October 7th, and these hostages still being held and all going on there, pray for Israel. We looked at the promises that he has there, and we need to be in prayer for that. We need them to remember who the shepherd is. And as David pens this, this is God, the shepherd of Israel. And that promise isn't gone. And it's still to come. We know how everything ends. So as we're looking at this, as we're digging into this text tonight, I encourage us to see the application for us as individual believers, but also the application to delve us into prayer that more would see and know Jesus as shepherd. Amen? So let's dig in. Verse 1 we read, and we have seen that already. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now we go to verse 2. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Now, I mentioned a book that I I love, Philip Keller. A shepherd looks at Psalm 23, and a pastor who was mentoring me gave it. And I was running from the call. I told the story last week, and he's like, eventually you'll stop running. And when you do, read this once a year. 
And I said, eh, okay, I'm still gonna run. But I did, look, I stopped running. And now, um, it's a good one to go through. There's two excerpts tonight I want to look at. And one is in this idea of he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He holds me beside still waters. The strange thing about sheep is that because of their very makeup, it is almost impossible for them to be made to lie down unless four requirements are met. Owing to their timidity, they refuse to lie down unless they are free of all fear. Because of the social behavior within a flock, Sheep will not lie down unless they are free from friction with others of their kind. If tormented by flies or parasites, sheep will not lie down. Only when free of these pests can they relax. Lastly, sheep will not lie down as long as they feel in need of finding food. They must be freed from hunger. It is significant that to be at rest, there must be a definite sense of freedom from fear, tension, aggravations, and hunger. The unique aspect of the picture is that it is only the sheepman himself who can provide release from these anxieties. It all depends upon the diligence of the owner whether or not his flock is free of disturbing influences. When we examine each of these four factors the effect sheep, the, that, that affect sheep so severely, we will understand why the part of the owner plays in their management so tremendously important. It is actually he who makes it possible for them to lie down to rest, to relax, to be content and quiet and flourishing. A flock that is restless, discontented, always agitated and disturbed never does well. And the same is true of people. Facts. It is not generally known that sheep are so timid and easily panicked that even a stray jackrabbit suddenly bouncing from behind a bush can stampede a whole flock. When one startled sheep runs in fright, a dozen others will bolt with it in blind fear, not waiting to see what frightened them. One day, a friend came to call on us from the city. She had a tiny Pekingese pug along. As she opened the car door, the, pug, the pup jumped out on the grass. Just one glimpse of the unexpected little dog was enough. In terror, over 200 of my sheep, which were resting nearby, leaped up and rushed off across the pasture. As long as there is even the slightest suspicion of danger from dogs, coyotes, cougars, bears, or other enemies, the sheep stand up ready to flee for their lives. They have little or no means of self-defense. They are helpless, timid, feeble creatures whose only recourse is to run. And boy, oh boy, is that not like us. Oh, we like sheep who've gone astray. Something's hard, something's challenging, I'm getting out of here. Work is hard, I'm getting a new job. That's it. We just run. We run. We go. We look. We look for whatever else can do it. And within our culture, our minds are constantly racing. I know my anti-tech rally, it's because I was educator. If you see what technology has done to youth, you join my bandwagon. I'm promising you, if you saw what it's done and if spent five years at a boarding school to see the impact technology had on those boys was heartbreaking. Because it was just everybody's addicted. Everybody... It, that's it. You know, you go out to a restaurant. Next time you go out, take a gander and see how many times you see people not look at a phone over the course of a meal. We can't do it. We're glued to these things. We have to check them. We have to use them. And they make our minds race. And then we say, I need a break. I need rest. And then we go on a search for a break or rest using that same technological device to find that break or rest. And that's the thing that we keep going rather than remembering the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
Only one can usher the comfort that we need. Only one can usher in the rest that we actually crave. Jesus. Verse 2. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He makes me. God knows how to usher in rest for David. He says there, he makes me to do what? Lie down. And we saw from the sheep, there's all these criteria that need to be met. There was criteria for David that the Lord knew needed to be met to be able to get him to lie down in green pastures because the shepherd knows the best spots for that rest to be had. He leads me beside the still waters. The shepherd knows the type of rest and the setting needed for that rest. But the question is, do you look to Jesus for rest? Think about the last time you thought, I need a break. Did you look to Jesus when you thought that? Are you able to be still before him? I think we're in a culture where the enemy is having a field day because we don't know how to be still. If you put people in a room and say, just be quiet before the Lord for an hour. An hour? I have so many things I need to do. We can't even think about that. 30 seconds and people will freak out because we're forgotten how to be still before the Lord. Think of what we saw in John 6. It's that fearful panic rather than that faithful peace. And we have to remember the one who gives it is the good shepherd. That's who's going to give it. Nothing will give you respite but Jesus. Nothing will give you rest until you're resting in the good shepherd and the circumstances that he gives and he provides versus our culture of I gotta, I gotta, dot, dot, dot. I gotta, I gotta do this, I gotta do that, I gotta do this. No, rest before him. Don't strain as they did in the boat. Straining, missing the comfort. Then we go on to verse three. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, the fact he puts the green pastures, the still waters, those actions in and of themselves, that brings the restoration. Being before him in his presence. We talk about revival a lot. And I love how Pastor Jeff reminds us, revival has to start in here. It starts in believers. We're never going to be, I'm sorry to disappoint anybody, I'm never going to say, all right, Calvary Chapel, Chapel Hill, we're going to have a revival this Sunday. No, can't do that. We're going to look at the word and I pray that people are listening and letting the Holy Spirit talk to them so that revival can take place within the believers. But we can't schedule revival. We can't. But we can look at this text. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. If he's restoring my soul, it should make us think of his rescue of even that lost sheep. Look at Matthew 18. Matthew 18, verses 10 to 14. When we look there, this is the parable that Jesus gives of that one lost sheep. We read, Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the ninety-nine that did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones 
should perish. This is one I like to look at when we have that conversation that comes up at time. You can lose your salvation. You can't. And if you think you can, let's talk. And I don't want to have the kind of talk where we go back and forth in a debate. That's the thing people love. I'll show you my scriptures. You show me your scriptures. I'm just going to say one thing. Everlasting life. Help me understand how it's not everlasting. That's my question. How is it not everlasting? I'm not doing a debate. That's a waste of time. While we debate, we could be evangelizing and helping people know Jesus and have everlasting life. But it's everlasting. And from somebody who had a season of backsliding, boy, am I grateful that he goes after that one lost one astray to come and find him or her. Pray for backsliders. Pray for prodigals. But as sheep, guess what? We're all prone to wander. So the other application I encourage us to look at as we think about he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Where do you need to let the Father bring you back that you don't go astray? Because we're all prone to wander. I talked about technology. There's an area where we could be prone to wander. Theology could be an area where we're prone to wander. Our priorities, we could be prone to wander. I used to really focus on my Bible study in the morning, but I really have that other that 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 spinning class that I've got to get to. So the, I got to get to spinning, and then the Bible can be later on in the day. Where are the priorities? Our intake. What are you eating? What are you consuming? What are you doing to the temple that He gives you? What's your relationship with alcohol? Dare I go there? These are things we have to think about because we sometimes look at that parable. Oh, I'm not a lost sheep. I'm sitting in church right now. Good. I'm happy you're here. Praise the Lord. I'm going to now ask you, where are you possibly astray? Where are you possibly not in the right place? We have to be on guard of that. And then we see verse 14. Even so, it is not the will of your father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. God desires to preserve. Do you let God preserve you? Do you let him preserve you? Now, in the context of thinking of him leading us, look at Hebrews 12. Because he restores my soul. And the restoration of the soul, there's different ways that restoration comes. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. First of all, in that verse, we have to remember it's all about him. It's all for his glory, for his name's sake. Two, if we think of Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for who the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That restoration, as he restores our soul, it leads us to action that has us turn away from things. We need to be turning away because we have for us the whole word of God. Hebrews 11, all of those examples of God's faithfulness. Seeing that, run away from those things and run to him. It's the same idea of Sunday, come and believe. And we were reminded To come means you come away from something and you come towards something else. Jesus. But we struggle at times with that. In caring for his sheep, the good shepherd, the careful manager, will from time to time make a careful examination of each individual sheep. The picture is a very poignant one. 
As each animal comes out of the corral and through the gate, it is stopped by the shepherd's outstretched rod. He opens the fleece with the rod. He runs his skillful hands over the body. He feels for any sign of trouble. He examines the sheep with care to see that all is well. This is a most searching process entailing every intimate detail. It is, too, a comfort to the sheep, for only in this way can its hidden problems be laid bare before the shepherd. This is what was meant in Psalm 139, 23-24, when the psalmist wrote, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my, anxiety, my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. If we allow it, if we will submit to God by his word, will search us. That's Hebrews 4.12. There will be no pulling the wool over his eyes. He will get below the surface, behind the front of our old self-life, and expose things that need to be made right. This is a process from which we need not shrink. It is not something to avoid. It is done in concern and compassion for our welfare. The great shepherd of our souls has our own best interests at heart when he so searches us. What a comfort this should be to the child of God who can trust in God's care. Wool in scripture speaks of self, life, self-will, self-assertion, self-pride. God has to get below this and do a deep work in our wills to right the wrongs which are often bothering us beneath the surface. So often we put on a fine front and brave, bold exterior when really down below there needs to be some remedy applied. So as we think about him leading us, if we think about turning away from sin to turn away, we've got to let him expose those things. And later we'll see the rod as we go on in this text, and he does that searching through it. And in that also, guess what? To be led in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, discipline from our heavenly Father. We don't think of that often when we think of this psalm. We go through it and it sounds so poetic and beautiful, Discipline from our Father is what leads us to the paths of righteousness. Hebrews 12, verse 3. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not resisted to bloodshed striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. We're going to be disciplined by God the Father. Father. He's our Father. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more be readily in subjection to the Father of spirits and life? For they indeed for a few days chastened us, as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Memorize that for the next time the Heavenly Father chastens you. It's for our profit. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful Bam, it's there. It stinks. It's not fun. It's not something we have going and it's like, I'm going to do cartwheels now. This is so invigorating. It's painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. 
He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Sometimes that path of righteousness is discipline, is chastening. It doesn't feel great. It's not the most exciting thing, but we've got to go through it. And the Holy Spirit that dwells within us allows us to endure that. But do you embrace how the shepherd leads you even if it hurts at present? Are you okay with suffering as part of the path of righteousness? Are you okay with that? Philippians 3, Paul writes in verse 7, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted for loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. So first we see from Paul, and this he's writing imprisoned, It's the thing we forget sometimes in this book of full joy. And he says, everything that I had to give up, well worth it. Rubbish. It's rubbish. And that's part of where we have to go as we seek to follow the Lord. And be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. That righteousness comes from faith in him. And that righteousness then drives us to obey him. And in the obedience, there's times where there's chastening to have us refined and obey more. That I may know him, that's part of it, verse 10, and the power of his resurrection, we know that and the Holy Spirit dwells in us and this is the part sometimes I think we forget, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. But being and embracing in those sufferings, fellowship with his sufferings, intimacy with our shepherd. Are you okay with that part of the intimacy? Are you okay with that? When we think about how's your intimacy with God, are you okay with the part of the intimacy that involves suffering and pain and hardship? We gotta be, because he uses it for our good. We looked at that verse early on. And when we say, your will be done, does your heart really mean your will Be done. And in the context of that, don't let your past haunt you. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The only way you press forward, guess who you're following? The shepherd. If you're following the shepherd, you're able to keep pressing forward. You don't look back. You don't go back. Psalm 32 has a beautiful promise for us in verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. That's a beautiful memory verse. But don't forget your responsibility with it. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. How are you as he leads you? How are you as the shepherd leads you in his paths? We have to remember that because as the shepherd's leading us, we have our own wants and desires. And there's different ways with it. Sometimes we have to pray to figure out, Lord, where are you leading me? What do you want me to do? Sometimes the word of God is very clear and we just have to decide, do I accept what you say so clearly in your word, Lord? I want this so badly. I can justify, I want this. But your word says no so clearly. 
Do you accept it or not? You have to decide if you accept it. And too often, we talked about this a little bit Sunday in our culture, our desire of seeking Jesus is to seek how to get what we want even when the word of God has spoken so clearly on it. And guess what? He will reward the obedience. But I really want this. I want that job. I want that love. I want that house. I want that whatever you want. Is God enough? Is the promise of eternity enough than that want that you want that you want? Then we read verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now we need to see these first three verses, there's a pronoun shift that takes place in verse 4. There's a shift. He's going from talking about God and now talking directly to Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We now see David shift to this prayer and praise of declaration. And these, this is a prayer of declaration that I encourage us all to pray. I don't encourage the prayer of declaration, I declare this will be done. No, no, you can't declare none of that, you ain't God. But you can declare the word of God. And this right here. David knew the physical dangers of being a shepherd. He went through that. David knew the physical dangers he suffered in his own life. Think of Saul chasing him. Think of the, the um, Absalom, everything that went down there when he experiences that. He's seen it. He's lived it. This valley of the shadow of death, it's near death. It's that surrounding that has you say, there's no way out of here. There is no way out. And wh- what does he say? I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. The walk with God doesn't equal evil being gone. What it equals is the surrounding that spiritual battle we need not fear. We need not fear. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1 with me. 2 Timothy chapter 1. We read in verse 6, Therefore, and this is, again, he's recalling Timothy. Remember what's imparted upon you. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He's saying, Timothy, remember this. Hey, pastor, young pastors, remember this. Hey, saints, remember this. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's what our shepherd's given us. His word, his spirit, his way. How do we do that? Verse 13 of 2 Timothy 1. Hold fast the pattern of sounds which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Hold to the word. The good thing which was committed to you keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Boom. Holy Spirit. And that's heavy on my heart for this precious body of believers. What's your communion like with the Holy Spirit? Don't buy the lies of culture. I don't want to hear the Holy Spirit talked about. That's getting creepy now. No, we need to commune with the Holy Spirit. We need to seek filling afresh of the Holy Spirit. Because otherwise we get lost in panic. We get lost in fear. We get lost in worry. And if we turn to Matthew 6, our Savior paints it so clearly. 
Verse 31, therefore do not worry, saying, this is after he goes through all these things to not worry, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows the things, the need of all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There's that word again. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What do we focus on? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek God first. Get in the word and let him restore your soul as you're still and know that he is God. And then allow him to lead you in the paths of righteousness, however that looks. And I have to say however that looks because it's not always going to be peaches and cream. I'm sorry, not sorry. It's the reality. But we let him lead us in that, and we don't have to worry about the other things. Now, this isn't a verse to now take, ooh, Pastor Vince read this. I'm going to seek God first, and I'm getting what I want. 999. That's not what we're saying. I want to be clear. It's going with what he wants. And brothers and sisters, that means going with what this says. And that sometimes means what you want, you don't get. But to that... If you're struggling with that, if someone's struggling in that place tonight, my question to you individual, is eternity enough? Because we sometimes are so focused on the now, this is temporary. Is eternity enough? Because when we go against the word of God, what you're ultimately saying to him is you're not enough. I see what you put here, but you're not enough. I need dot, dot, dot. And it means we've got to check our foundation. Verse 24 of Matthew 7. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Rain descended, floods came, winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Rain descended, floods came, winds blew, beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Go against it, great will be your fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Because guess what? He does have authority. He's the chief shepherd. He's the good shepherd. And when we check our foundation, the foundation of Jesus allows us to be able to say, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod, Hebrew meaning stick, and your staff, Hebrew meaning supporting support, they comfort me. And what the reality is there, the rod and staff, the rod would be used against the enemies of that come for the sheep. And the staff would be used, bring them back in. And that's that same rod that we saw in that other portion that's used to inspect them, to look at them. They comfort me. What is that comfort? He's in control. He is sovereign. His way. That's the comfort. What comforts you? And that's something we got to ask. In our culture, sugar is a big comfort. Sugar is a comfort, guilty as charged at times. Knock that off. Focus on the Lord. What things comfort? Alcohol, hobbies, sex, whatever. We have to go through and figure out, is my comfort found in Jesus? That's where that has to start. Where am I satiated? Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Now we can see him as the host 
as we move to this verse. Now, one interesting thing to note, shepherds at the time would take their sheep to these flat lands, and they would sometimes call those flat lands tables. So there's kind of two trains of thought where some will say, okay, yes, we see him as host, but this is still shepherd application because the shepherds would actually take the sheep to these flat lands called tables. So we can see both imageries, but again, it's a declarative prayer here. You prepare a table before me, trusting God to prepare as he always does in the presence of my enemies. They're not gone. They're still there, but you preserve me. You keep me. In the midst of the trials, in the midst of the battle with your enemies, do you look to do or do you look for the table your Savior is preparing for you? Where he will comfort you, where he will guide you. He will anoint your head with oil. My cup runs over. That's a cultural thing that showed such hospitality to put the oil on them. It would be refreshing in the heat, in the hot weather. They come to the house and that oil over, refreshing. And then we see verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Your heater breaks. Maybe your car gets stolen. Johnny just got diagnosed with stage four cancer and might die. You look at your bank account. I didn't realize how behind we were. Can you still say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my house, my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever? I ask that because at times we can look at that and we make the promises of God conditional on our circumstances rather than just faithful on his character. It's not about our conditional circumstance. It's about his faithful character. God is our shepherd. That's a guarantee to us. Goodness and mercy all the days of our lives. Even in the trials, even in the storms. How? He's the good shepherd who lays down his life for us. And we are forgiven. That mercy, what a gift it is. His strength, his love, his grace, the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. The power, the access we have to pray to him, to commune with him. David writes those words, I say with a limited lens, Messiah hasn't come yet. And we hear that, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. With Jesus, with the whole word of God, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, leads to goodness and mercy following all the days of my life and dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. Because it's eternity with him forever. How long is eternity? Forever. And that's why I say, is eternity enough The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Charge for the week, one, and we're going to check this next week. Memorize and pray Psalm 23 this week. Memorize and pray Psalm 23. And as you pray it, pray through your intimacy with the Father. Pray through 
his sustaining you. Pray through his providing. Pray through his leading you. Pray through his grace and love. Pray through the promises of eternity. Remember for us when we think about eternity. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. We had an appointment for our baby and our beloved practitioner midwife was sharing this uh, story of a funny incident at her church with her son and he was misbehaving and all this is going and then she's trying to get him to go down the aisle and then he stops and she rolls over him and she said, I just got there and I said, Lord, trumpet now, let's go, bring the trumpet. Look to that. Look to the comfort, hope, and joy of that. Memorize and pray Psalm 23. Two, what valleys... In your life right now, do you need to shift to faith over fear? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. What valleys are in your life where there is fear? I'm worried. I don't know that you can help me right now, God. Where do you need to shift to faith? And three, who is astray in your sphere of influence that needs the shepherd? Who is astray that needs the shepherd? And will you introduce them to the shepherd? Will you remind them of the shepherd? Will you pray that those who know the words of this psalm, again I say pray for Israel, will remember who the shepherd is. This is a beautiful psalm of our Lord's care for us. Relish it. Cherish it. But let him search your heart and let him reveal where his care is not enough for you. Because if you go against him, if you go against what he so clearly says in his word, you're saying, you're not enough. I need more. Your care is the good shepherd. You're all right, but I need this. No, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for the faithful promises of your word, Lord. Father, we thank you that you are our shepherd. And Lord, we thank you that you're with us in the ups and the downs. Lord, help us to look to you more. Help us to cling to you as we never have before, Lord that we would be so in tune, seeking deeper and deeper intimacy with you, Lord, to hear that still small voice, to commune with you deeply, that we would fear no evil, and that we would ponder with joy eternity with our King of Kings. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your restoration. Thank you that you lead us through your word, which is a lamp and light. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this time to commune with you, Heavenly Father. And Lord, we just pray that you help us to continue on with whatever you spoke to us about tonight. That we'd allow you to have your way in our lives. And that when we say your will be done, we accept it with a joyful heart. With eternity being enough. In Jesus' precious name.
Amen. Have a beautiful night.